Hello and welcome to Don't Worry, It's Not Just You, Episode 5. My name is Phoebe Paradise and I hope this email finds you well. Happy, happy new year, folks. It's already been a bit of a weird one so far, um, to say the least. And man, I hope everyone is staying safe and taking care of each other. This week, my guest is one of my best mates, Al. And instead of talking about his fabulous history as a booker, DJ, and freelancing writer, instead we got completely sucked into a conversation about the minutiae of new metal, fashion, movies, music, and his awesome podcast that you should all check out. This episode was so funny. Al is the best. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. joined by a man, a man of many talents and beloved by all. He's lived a life as a DJ who's supported the likes of rapper Freddie Gibbs. <laughs> He's produced comedy content for Adult Swim, the Comedy Channel and the ABC. But to me, He's one half of the New Metal Appreciation Society, <laughs> known right. as Take a Look Around Pod, <laughs> examining the short-lived but deeply fascinating period where rap rock and blockbuster cinema collided. According to the online publication Life Without Andy, his accolades include wearing a Cro-Mags t-shirt. <laughs> He's, <right>. best... <laughs> He's best known as Batesy, but you can call him Al. It's Alistair Bates. Welcome, Hello. darling. Hello, Phoebe. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for that beautiful intro. You're so, so welcome. Um, thank you so much for joining me on the pod today. Are you wearing your Cro-Mags shirt? right now uh no uh I'm the wearing, famous i'm wearing a steely dan shirt right now it's, <laughs> it's called aging it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> we've made it guys that's right yeah like, like everybody who ages out of uh diy or punk rock music i too have become a steely dan fan <laughs> oh god i love it yeah you get into steely dan you get into smoked meats you get into mixed yeah, martial yeah, arts yeah, um, right. it's either you get into steely dan or you become a jujitsu guy like it's yeah. one or the other <laughs> <laughs> totally i like legitimately just had like fucking five jujitsu people come like friends who have just hit 32 and are suddenly into like grappling and shit <laughs> it is like a weirdly specific <laughs> ailment that's happened to our generation yeah. oh i can't get fit like going to the gym no i have to turn this into like every aspect of my personality yeah. <laughs> and, or go to parties and talk about nothing else yeah <laughs> <jiu-jitsu>. totally. <laughs> and hey if that works for you 
sure. <laughs> Man, I get it. I did jujitsu for my entire what? childhood. Yeah, dude. I was like a blue belt. I Jesus. did it right up until I was 14 years old. Where I like wanted to do, my parents wanted to get me fit. And I wanted to be Jackie Chan real bad. <laughs> it was my, it was my um, platonic ideal of like fitness mm. and like the adult vision. Um, and so we did jujitsu and I was absolutely mortified to realize that jujitsu is all just grappling on the ground. Mm. You don't learn how to do flips. You don't learn how to like convert a tennis racket into a weapon comically <laughs> no and i mean luckily with like uh being a teenager you're not like super self-conscious about everything let alone being like grappled by grown adults or yes. <laughs> or your <Yeah>. peers <laughs> it was at like the pcyc like down in suncorp stadium in milton and my sensei was called Sensei Mark Hasman. <laughs> we had to call him Sensei Mark Hasman. He was a lovely, lovely man. It was a good time anyway. Uh, <laughs> so you are a man of many talents. You're a writer, you're a producer, director, and a very, very funny man who has also lived a life as a successful DJ many moons ago. But I would love to talk to you about your latest project, which is uh, Take a Look Around podcast, um, which is uh, you co-host with our bestie, Shawnee Campion. Yeah. What drew you fellas to the new metal genre? Um, Look, uh, I, it's, it's, so for years, Sean and I kind of talked about doing a podcast together, kind of movie related and... Like, I think maybe as early as 2015, we had, like, the embryonic idea for something called Cage Match, where we were going to watch, <laughs> like, all of the Nicolas Cage movies, which um, I think around the same time, maybe Mike Check came out, the yeah. Alexi Toliopoulos, Cameron James show, which is fucking phenomenal. But, so um, good. But uh, I also bear a passing resemblance to Alexi, so, like, I had this mild <laughs> fucking panic attack about, like... Oh, if I do like a film <laughs> podcast about a single actor, uh, we also wear like linen shirts and have big framed glasses. Anyway, we put that on <laughs> ice more or less. But Sean and I still like talked about doing shit. And then I don't know how we found it, but there was this essay floating around, which I can't even remember what the essay is called, which mm. makes for a hell of a story. But uh, essentially, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> essentially, essentially, I read this book called Heroes, which is by Biffo Bernardi, who is like this Italian cultural theorist who kind of talked about American school shootings and the, the, how they're a result of a culture and how they have created this weird feedback loop. But essentially, at the same time we read, I was reading that, Sean and I found this essay and became obsessed with it. And this essay was about the post-Clinton uh, pre-Obama, pre-9-11 kind of uh, angst and that the weird kind of moment where all of pop culture became this one homogenised kind of goop, which mm-hmm. was like this angsty kind of pop-ready uh, regurgitation of the past whilst combining the present and having weird futuristic aesthetics. And uh, Sick. Uh, that, that kind of aesthetic trend we kind of noticed... Um, 
maybe a lot more now as adults, but like, you know, when you're in the t- moment, you don't realize it's a new metal aesthetic that's been kind of, that was kind of packaged up and resold by film studios and whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, well, three of us probably all came at the age at the same time. Mm. Um, like, I remember how fucking lame the 90s was. Like, it's kind <laughs> Yeah, we of were there. Like, it sucked. Yeah, exactly. I was doing jujitsu. Yeah. I owned, like, five Chinese dragons holding crystal balls. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I, I wore, like, so many silk shirts. I was basically Guy Fieri. <laughs> yeah, the chef. But you know what? That was awesome in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's awesome now. Things circular. But, um, yeah, I think it was just Sean... I think floated the idea, the actual concept of new metal cinema, referring to this fucking essay that we had read probably at the end of 2019. And Mm -hmm. we kind of sat down and thought about how we'd do it for a little while. And then we recorded like a pilot, I guess, for lack of better words, we were kind of at creating. It's a fantastic podcast. Thank you. And like, you were like one of the first champions of it. And like, I think you were maybe our second guest or something. (laughs) Um, And, Like, I mean, like, encouragement from, like, your encouragement definitely, I think, got us over, like, this weird anxiety hurdle that we probably had. Well, like, I definitely had it, but, um... uh, One of the things that I love about Take a Look Around Pod is that, to the point you were making before, you've basically put a name to a genre that was before just kind of known as like the late 90s early 2000s blockbuster yeah. right yeah, of that totally. period this this period of movies that were like hyper commercial yeah and one of like the markers of new metal in my mind is like this genre of music that's prefabbed alternative yeah. so it's like prefabricated lots of money behind it a lot of production value behind it but it's packaged as an alternative yeah, yeah, music exactly. style kind of thing. It's yeah. like kind of countercultural, but it's like as cultural. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. hypercultural. Um, I loved. Look, I like you know this is old music from our youth. Like I fucking yeah. loved Limp Biscuit. Like, and even now as like a fucking thirty-one-year-old man, like I still go in hard for Limp Biscuit. Like I think I even mentioned on the Queen of the Dam. Like I I um had like a pretty straight strict kind of upbringing like my family Mm. were pretty traditional folks who weren't really interested in music or movies or just kind of most things so like I remember finding out about new metal and just being like as a kid and just being like wow like what the hell yeah yeah (laughs) so like like a lot of that stuff was like the genesis of me understanding popular culture as well as like becoming aware of uh, just what I liked. Um, yeah. So, you know, when Sean floated new metal cinema, uh, which I think I'm, I'm Sean penned it. I think that's definitely, um, his beautiful for a turn of words. Like once he kind of, kind much like the number 23, once he pointed it out, I've not been able to unsee it. So, um, <laughs> you find new metal everywhere, everywhere. you go. And, we kind of have, like, I feel like every link we've kind of drawn, like sometimes like we'll say something and I'll be like, I don't know about that. And then like, I'll I'll reflect on it for like a week or so. And then just out of curiosity, look it up and like, look, we bullshit a lot, but every now and then like four times out of five, I feel like we kind of hit the nail on the head. (laughs) I think so too. It's definitely a genre. 
I guess maybe before we continue to get into it, maybe we could try and define for our listeners, uh, for those who haven't listened to your podcast, what do you define as a new metal film? Sure. Well, I mean, I think the quintessential one is probably The Matrix. Um, I, you know, like the Matrix movies themselves, I'd say are totally uh, new metal films. Maybe even like the Resident Evil movies. Just, uh, I don't know. I also picture like Triple X. Yeah, totally. As a new metal movie, like the Fast and the Fu- like the first yeah, Fast and the absolutely. Furious movie. Basically anything with Vin Diesel in it, like in the early two yeah, thousands. Pretty much. What, what was that called? Black? No, um, Pitch Black. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're talking about an era like from the late nineties to the early two thousands movies that had a lot of money put behind them that may not have received critical success at the time, but you know, through the um, rose colored lenses of revisionism and, and 20 years gap, um, you know, they might have in the soundtrack, some like classic new metal tracks. They have a lot of product placement. Yeah. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, I mean, like maybe Queen of the Damned is another one that's like oh, a pretty yeah. pretty classic example, just because you know, Corn wrote the actual fucking soundtrack to it. But like, it's so sick. Anything that kind of looks like the bag, like all the bad guys are dressed up as like hot topic extras, or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, it's so true. Like, like there's a lot of uh, idiosyncratic kind of details that make yeah. a new metal film a new metal film and it's not necessarily the soundtrack that that does make like th- that is the definition mm. totally because you've had you've had a lot of uh, movies on your pod that haven't necessarily had a, they haven't been blessed no. by a new metal song <laughs> no but it's more of a vibe more yeah. of an energy yeah i mean it's just this bizarre i think it's like this weird kind of just this weird turn of the century malaise and paranoia mixed with like this kind of innocence of what is yet to come in the century where you know everyone's like already on edge, but nine 11 hadn't happened yet. So like, I think America as a whole, were just kind of desperately looking for a boogeyman in popular culture. Um, it's just, you'll see it and you'll be like, Oh yeah, that guy looks like he's in Lincoln park. That's a new metal movie. Even if it's not on the blade, there's another perfect example. Oh, blade, no new metal on the soundtrack to that, but like, oh it's God. a new metal movie. It's got leather and knives and tribal tattoos and, Australians and Australians. That's right. Yeah. That's a good point. A lot of Australians in like third or fourth lead roles in these films, or they were shot in Australia. That's a big thing we've also noticed. It's definitely something I thought wasn't as tangible as it actually is. Like as we're closing, I've definitely been like, Oh fuck. That's like an actual aesthetic that like maybe Sean and I have probably um, outlined a little bit more than was prior because Sean very smartly identified this as being a gap in like film criticism podcasts and so like yeah I think I think I think Sean and I broke some pretty important ground (laughs) (laughs) finally the white man is being (laughs) represented in (laughs) that's right we took rap music and put a lot of guitars on it and made it cooler (laughs) what um I'd love to know what you think of the new metal revival um that's happening right now like it's like you said your podcast couldn't have been 
more perfectly timed. Yeah. With the Matrix revolutions coming out, Limp Biscuit are a band again. Um, that's right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like I figured eventually the aesthetic of the decade I grew up in would be regurgitated at some mm. point in my life. I think what has offended me the most is how soon it it, it has been, <laughs> just because it's like the. Whatever, it's cool. I don't know. As I said earlier, like, the 90s fucking sucked. It, oh, yeah. uh, I wasn't a big fan of the early noughties. Like, I don't know. I, I It's weird that we want to revisit uh, JJ's, like, flared jeans or whatever. But also mm-hmm. it means, like, skate shoes and comfy clothes that I like that aren't chuggy anymore. So, like, <laughs> I could wear, like, fucking dicky slacks again and not feel like a, a loser. You can finally wear your button-up, like, stripy shirts that have, like, graffiti screen printed on the front of it. I literally just bought some checkered fucking vans, and it's just like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm praying, like, a week or two from now we get the wallet chain back, like... Baby, the wallet chain's back. It's it's been back back in a big way. Exactly. See, I'm out. Uh, Yeah, like, the kids can have fun. Let them wear their... Jinko yeah, jeans and their totally. wallet chains. It's sick. Bring back Velcro wallets. That's totally. all I have to say about it. <laughs> it it was crazy going through uh, TikTok in preparation for our oh, episode. Oh, man, I'm excited now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. And seeing how many, uh, like, young kids, not just teenagers, but, like, people in their 20s or whatever, that are, like, really genuinely, earnestly like interacting with that style and adapting it Um, and not just the cool stuff from that period, but like the stuff that sucked as well. Like the, the low rise jeans, I blame my hip dips on low rise jeans. Like it just changed (laughs) the shape of my body. It has nothing to do with my diet or sedentary lifestyle. It has everything to do with wearing jeans a one or two sizes too small from the years 2003 to 2006. I'm with you, man. <laughs> and whilst we're on this, I don't blame Vans shoes for giving me like severe orthotic problems and hip <laughs> displacement. And I actually blame uh, the uncool new balances that I was supposed to wear instead. <laughs> Yeah, I blame my Payless shoes versus Etnies. Uh, I blame them for my scoliosis. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) not the cool things. Um. Yeah, that's it. But, you know, that said, in I didn't post my Spotify wrapped this year because I was in the top 10% of Linkin Park listeners. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah, man. But I mean... I was so embarrassed. Oh, dude, (laughs) you don't have to be. Like, I remember one year I had, like, a Spotify wrapped that was literally just, like... The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, uh, Led Zeppelin, Elvis Presley, Drake. And it was just huge, like, yeah, I listen to music energy. Like. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know, I don't even have a favourite band. I just like to turn on the radio and That's hundred- whatever comes on is my favourite song. That's definitely, like, after quitting DJing, like, that was definitely a thing for me. Where I was like, <laughs> I just don't have an interest in music for the moment like i just will put on the radio and <laughs> that's that's it i know what you mean i was talking to my old bandmate ruby um we had breakfast the other week we were talking about how like when you're in a band you've got this kind of vested interest mm-hmm. in 
local music and like uh, wanting to explore new bands and like, you know, kind of constantly being like up to date with it. And I swear to God, the moment I stopped playing in a band, I was like, I hate music. I just listen to Linkin Park now. (laughs) I know Sean went through a very similar uh, phase where he was like, I'm not a punk anymore. I listen to Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, Sean, that means you're still punk if you're listening to Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, yeah. Famous, (laughs) noted punk in Machine Gun (laughs) Kelly. Um, So let's chat about your career DJing. You uh, mentioned that you uh, were hired to do a few weddings. If it's anything like my photographer friends who have said they'll do anything, they won't do weddings because weddings are hell. I'm curious, is it kind of a similar deal for DJing? A little bit. I think the one that really sticks out in my head is like, it only came to like, I only realized what I fucking did like five years later in a cold sweat at like (laughs) the middle of the night. (laughs) Oh, Uh, we love anxiety. Don't we? folks? I, I, um, so I don't know. They weren't, they were, if anything, they were fucking too nice. Uh, um, I'm not going to name them. Uh, they are very like a, a, a noted, Sydney comedian they kindly asked me to DJ their wedding and it was like a bit of a non-traditional um setup like they didn't do it in a church they did it in like um you know like a warehouse the whole way it was set up was uh it was such a small little pokey kind of room so Uh essentially and they were talking through the microphone that was connected to the PA that was connected to you know what I mean like yeah gotcha so I, I don't know how this happened. Well, I do just sheer anxiety. Uh, essentially the corner where I'd set up the decks, they were doing their nuptials in and I was just stuck in the corner. Like I, it was too, like I real in their fucking photos of them doing their nuptials. I am awkwardly standing in the background oh. with my hands in my pockets, just trying to like, <gasps> Not be in the fucking Make photo. Make yourself invisible. Yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, Henry Stone, once a year, I think during their like anniversary, at least maybe, he sent it to me at least twice, like two fucking photos from this wedding of me just standing awkwardly in the corner. That is like, I don't have Holy any shit. regrets really, but like that is probably one of them. But then this is the thing that I remembered fucking five years later was they asked me to play something by george harrison which technically it's a beatles song um and i was like fuck yeah dude of course like i know that album back to front so don't worry I can literally <laughs> it's my favorite band the fucking, beatles yeah exactly yeah yeah i can put um <laughs> i'll put it on it'll be totally fine and i don't know uh-huh. why or how but i just in sheer arrogance was like i put on the song after so for their first dance they danced oh. to the wrong song <gasps> That was still, oh. like, I only just realized, like, five oh. years ago. Like, they asked for something, and I gave them Oh Darling, which is the song after. And I remembered, Oh, I know, like, I don't know. Oh, my oh, God. Like, I know. Did they say, they didn't say anything? <laughs> I don't anything? think they said it. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, as I said, oh. like, I just legitimately no. just bolted upright and was just like, 
Oh my god. And like, I feel like I was a bit of a fucking. I probably was a bit of a prick about chasing up the invoice too. So it was just <laughs> this like. Like. Full body fucking cringe that like. I'm sure they had an amazing wedding. That like that this guy like gave me. Tickets. You're going red right I now. Know, Don't like, at it. It sucks so much, man. Like, and obviously there was no like hard feelings because like mm-hmm. I this guy I got. Oh, I mean I don't fucking know who fucking knows. He's given me tickets to his stand up shows since, and like that's a good sign normally, right? I mean, uh-huh. but like, um. Like maybe he invited me to like sit me in front and roast me, but it just didn't get it. He didn't get a chance. I don't know. Like <laughs> you're just a great story at parties now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This fucking burnout. Like yeah, dude. I, and that was like I was a mess at that point in my life. Like oh darling. Uh, like various stages of my life, I've just been a fucking legitimate mess. But that was like <laughs> the first time I tried to quit drinking. So, like, I was, like, in this weird headspace of, like, oh, my God, like, I don't know what's going on. And because normally I just drink as Dutch courage. I didn't have that, so I was just this jittery, nervous mess. So that's definitely, like, one reason why I just stood in the corner of these fighting photos. Standing like Michael Sarah. Well, like, I'm picturing that... That picture of um, Robert yeah, Pattinson yeah. standing in the kitchen. Just yeah, like... oh, dude, it was <laughs> literally like that. Like, it just <laughs> fucked, man. Um, uh, I'm so sorry. That's no, horrendous. don't be. I'm gonna try and fi- I'm gonna figure out where they they could be. But um, I'm in that like sucked. I am amazed that they didn't say anything to you. Have you spoken to them since like about it or no, are you just like, you're no, like, I'm taking this to my grave. I, this I'm, is, I haven't next time I see this person, I'm going to like firstly confirm and then <laughs> fucking grovel and maybe even like offer <gasps> to refund them. But until they hit me up, until they reach out i am none the wiser as far as they know hey man we could have an exclusive screenshot of that text conversation posted to our instagram yeah (laughs) it's um it's yeah dude it sucked and um i don't know i mean that's like something that sticks out particularly i've got a similar story of like a professional kind of blunder when my my mum got married like 10 years ago to to my stepdad Phil at the wedding the the ceremony where they were doing the I do's and stuff the celebrant was reading out like the vows that mum had written um the celebrant goes now I'm gonna read you know a message uh from Jane to her beautiful children uh Phoebe and Toby my brother's name is Tony And she called him Toby like eight or nine times (laughs) reading this thing out, but not like, obviously there was a typo or something or she retyped it like something had gone wrong, but like just for like 10 minutes, she's like, and to her beautiful son, Toby, she wants to say Toby, (laughs) sweet Toby. (laughs) It's just like Tony and I were sitting next to each other, just like, Like just like like tears streaming down my face, like with laughter. But like it would have just been so easy for us to say something, but nobody had the it was this sort of weird thing where we're like, I didn't want to embarrass the celebrant, like mum didn't want to like 
say anything. The whole thing, it was just too awkward to say anything. Yeah. But it was, but it was just so fucking funny. And I can picture it being really similar with your DJing whoopsie. Um, which they just would have been like, fuck it. I'm sure it was a lovely song choice. Was it like... Oh, no, it it's like a like real the- sad, like... Uh, <laughs> like grittier, bluesier Beatles songs too that's just like, I can't believe that she's left me. Oh, darling. <laughs> but it's also like real kind of like like uh, sore losery too where it's like, oh, when God. you told me you didn't want me to anymore, you know I broke down and cried. Like, I'll never, Fuck. if you're away from me, like I'm going to fucking die. Like real menacing kind of. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just happy to hear that it wasn't one of the Beatles more like angry clown music songs. Yeah, yeah, over the bar like or something. Carnival music. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at least I would have known I fucked up if that yeah. happened. I wouldn't be sitting yeah. up five years later going, oh no, I played the wrong <laughs> song. <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, man. Holy um, shit, that's really funny, Al. Yeah, and I think you were asking about other notable gigs, and I kind of mm. thought about it. And I brought it up before we started recording, but I remembered. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I never forgot, but, like, I didn't tell this story for fucking ages because it's just, like, kind of unbelievable. But um, <laughs> I ended up DJing an orgy accidentally. Like, I got booked for something I didn't realize was an orgy until the orgy kind of began. <laughs> it was, like, this full, like... I don't know if it's like an orgy, if it's like a whole bunch of dudes just hiring sex workers and they're all fucking sex workers in the same room. It was like in the Ivy penthouse, which is like a club that has like, if a nightclub has its own penthouse, that's all, you know, already know. Like I should have known better. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that room is like those toilets, like those public toilets that when you close the door, it like self cleans with like yeah. hot water. Absolutely, and detergent. Man. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, when I got booked, it was uh, this dude. They were like, yeah, our friend, he just got out. Like, we're going to have a fucking great night. I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. Sure. Um, and they're like, man, if you want to do anything, if you want a girl, if you want to drink, you know, if you want to do whatever, like, dude, you know, the spoils are everybody's tonight. I was like, oh, cool. Like, they must be talking about the charcuterie plate that they've brought out. <laughs> You're like, there's going to be some, like, fucking um, mortadella, um, some, like, yeah, stuffed yeah. olives. And, and they were just like, look, it's our boy's birthday. He's had a pretty crazy couple of years. Like, once again, he's just gotten out. Like, they're really emphasizing this. Just oh gotten God. out. Like, it's like, okay, I don't know what this could mean. Like, Out of a bad relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sure, He's just quit dude. his job. Like, he's going to he's gonna be celebrating uh, with his five best friends. They're going to listen to some music, have yeah, a few wines. Pretty you much. Know? <laughs> it was, like, a group of, like, 20 to 30 the man of the moment arrives, he gets this, uh, the ladies start showing up and I was like, oh shit, strippers, cool, whatever, man. And then eventually they do this happy birthday thing where, so in the middle of the Ivy penthouse, there's kind of like uh-huh. those 70s stairwells where, yeah. um, and in the stairwells, it's like a chair, big chair with like this big table in the middle, like this big circular, it looked like an altar more or less. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, they start doing the happy birthday shit and the girls start getting like legit naked and 
one of them, like the birthday boy sitting on this circular table and one of them just starts fucking, you know, takes his shit out of his pants and just starts on it. And then another sits on his face and that's like the moment it fucking clicked for me. I was like, oh my God, I'm doing an orgy. And then it just became uh, this like fuck fest. Like literally I was just standing there like, and like once again, I mentioned the charcuterie plate only because all I could do at this time was just oh fucking God. freak out. And I'm like a comfort eater, so I get really <laughs> anxious. I just, like, will binge eat and not, like, think about what I'm doing. So I was literally just cramming my face full of, like, soft cheese and dairy meats, dairy meats. And it's, like, lovely get, like lovely sex work came over and was like, hey, do you want to, like, you know, like, I'm on the clock, so, like, you know, like, what's up? And I was seeing somebody at the time, so I was like, no. And they were like, okay, no worries, doll. Um, so, like, show me what to do with all of this stuff. And because, like, I'm super fucking immature and just weird about the body, I was just like, you know, this lady was stark naked standing right next to me, just like, show me how to DJ. And it, just me being, like, a fucking freak full of, like, ham in my mouth, just like, <laughs> 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 But, like, that's just, like, one of those things, like, like, I don't know how I got that job. Like, I think it was, like, a friend, a friend of a de- guy I used to DJ with. Um, this guy had to pull out. And I remember the friend of the friend telling me, like, it's like, dude, these guys are fucking crazy. You're going to have a fucking crazy night, bro. They're full <laughs> on, dude. They're fucking hectic. And I was just like, yeah, okay, And sure. you're like, the tips are going to be so sick. Yeah, um, pretty much, man. <laughs> and then it turns out it was, like, I think, like, Look, I'm going to say it. I think they were probably bikies <laughs> or some, <laughs> some kind of uh, crime-related thing. Ow, uh, holy fucking uh, shit, dude. Yeah, dude. Uh, it, You've it, never told me that story. That is insane. Dude, you're going to be in the background of some Red Tube video somewhere. Like, yeah. Is this like local DJ eats mortadella while yeah. the orgy unfolds? Dude. And like... I think one of the craziest things about it was like how normal the Ivy staff were about all of it. Like I remember looking wow. over at one point and one of them literally had like a glass and was like cleaning it out. Just furiously <laughs> cleaning glasses. Even, like it was just like a, mm, okay, that one's clean. Let me go get the other one. Like just everyone was doing their job around this fuck fest. And it's like, I don't know the legality of things like that, but I guess if you like booked the penthouse, like aside from Anything maybe killing goes. somebody, like, yeah, it was, like, fucking weird, man. Like, that is psycho, Al. That is yeah. utterly... And knowing you now, my dear friend, like, hearing that story, I'm just trying to picture you in that situation, and I can't. I'm oh, like, yeah. the second hit, like, I would be so scared. Oh, oh well, that's <laughs> the other thing, too, really where like... it was like, I'm fucking too scared to bail on this job right now. <laughs> like, Like... These are scary dudes. Like, I am now realizing what my friend got out meant. Like, it's just this, like, yeah, it, it, I think. He threw you under the bus and he didn't prepare you for what it was going to no, be as well. not at all. No, I didn't realize it was going to be this gang bikey fuck fest. Like, like, oh man, <laughs> that sex worker, like, what an angel. Like, she oh, clearly yeah. saw that you were suffering and yeah, wanted to yeah. just, like, <laughs> make you feel more comfortable. Yeah. Holy and shit. God bless, bless up, babe. Her. Yeah, bless yeah. up, baby. And yeah. I think, yeah, so I probably 
that was like 2017 and that's kind of when I kind of started maybe traditional work again and mm-hmm. kind of went to a nine to five and kind of put DJing back on the back burner. Wait, <laughs> are you saying this was a catalyst to you like yep. changing careers? Uh, it was a big moment. <laughs> 2016 and 17. Um, yeah, I definitely like, I think at the end of 2016, I kind of put the brakes on it and then, um, yeah, like wanted to move on to other things, Wanted to move on to other things. And like, eventually you get over staying up till like, I probably kept on DJing up until the pandemic, but like taking mm. it seriously, I stopped in 2000. Well, not seriously, but like as a, as a hobby, as something I enjoyed, I stopped in 2016 and only would do it for, it got to a point where it was like, I can just do this in two hour blocks once a week to receive an ungodly amount of money for doing very little. But, um, yeah. Incredible. Oh, Al, you've, I, you've made my day. I'm not even joking. That's <laughs> the funniest you. story I've ever heard. Both of them, in fact, they are both staying in. Yeah, those are two nightmare jobs. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So, Al, you and me, just a couple of girl bosses wading their way through the murky waters of the business world, finding opportunities, spitting in their face, and then maybe finding other opportunities and kissing them in their faces. You know, it's hard to know where to turn. But one mm. thing we do know for sure is that it's about drive. It's about power. <laughs> we yeah, stay hungry. Right. <laughs> we, we devour. <laughs> devour what, you might ask? Well, our TikTok entrepreneurs are here with the answers. <laughs> Here's how I make nearly a thousand dollars a month in passive income as a 14-year-old. Listen, I've had three business lunches today. I did a lot of typing. I am exhausted. All you have to do is join me live tonight right here on TikTok. Here's how I'm making seven figures even when I'm sitting in bed with COVID. Making $3,000 a week on this one simple thing. Make up to $400 per hour speaking. I'm about to share something with you, something small that changed my life forever. And This is the key. You are about to hear the number one cheat code to life. So, Al, this week we have a very special version of our TikTok Entrepreneurs segment where we will be hearing our business advice from the very best of the best uh, from new metal cinema history, Um, perhaps where the hustle and grind culture may have found its feet. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all that bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, (laughs) I'm free. So, your friend, close personal friend of the pod, uh, Vin Diesel. That's right. You guys uh, have a bit of a relationship with Vin Diesel in Take a Look Around pod. Uh, as he is like a bit of a staple of the new metal cinema genre, I would say. (laughs) I would too, yeah. He's the patron saint in many ways. Yeah, indeed. Would you say that Vin's like uh, attitude um, to, you know, like hustle and grind culture would have like any imprint on uh, the (laughs) the toxic culture that, that we're sort of stuck with these days? Well, um, 
I mean, he looks like Pitbull, so yes. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, you're not a bit. You're not a fan of the Vin. No, I fucking hate Vin Diesel, and I fucking hate the Fast and the Furious movies. This is like my my Waterloo because <laughs> I know everyone's against me on this, but like, fuck him. <sighs> I'm so sorry to hear that, Al. That's, that's, uh, that's a, a really sad day for me personally. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting character. I, I think he's, he's so interesting because he's one of those actors that has taken a character that he played once upon a time and has started to live it like it's reality. Yeah. Like he, he played this character in the fast and the furious films and then was like, Oh no, this is me. I am that guy. Yeah. And then just has gone on to spend the rest of his life still in character. Like, it, you know, like when fucking Johnny Depp was like, Oh, I am a pilot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. He's, he's fully Jack Sparrowed himself into reality. <laughs> yeah, he has. But yes, I am inspired by that message. And rightfully so. <laughs> I'm finding out that nobody is honest. Everybody's a liar. Uh, the music business is the biggest joke in the world. The only true people out there are the fans that are coming to the shows and um, the bands that are playing in the show. It's all illusion. And it is an illusion. It's not really happening. It's like there's video screens. That's a value. My dog's the value. Word. Word, man. Word. <laughs> I didn't see a single fucking lie. <laughs> <laughs> so, could you please describe uh, for the listeners what is happening in this TikTok? Uh, it's Fred Durst just um, giving us some truth. You know? It's all, it's all an illusion, baby. The music industry, some of the biggest suckers you've ever met. <laughs> and he's right man the only people keeping it real are the fans the fans baby uh-huh it's so true it's, it's so all a screen true. that's one thing i've learned from this video and that is dog is his value what is your relationship like with fred durst because i i see him as almost like the ultimate side hustler these days because he like started out as this massive cultural moment with Limp mm. Biscuit, like one of the biggest bands in the world for like two weeks, then became the butt of every joke in Hollywood and the music industry and then disappeared for like 15 years and then reemerged as this like auteur filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, uh, the role, the model now that I think about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know. I think he's, I think he's just neat. <laughs> he's freaking neato, baby. Neato, Dorito, baby. Uh, no, I think he's cool. I mean, he sucks. Like, he's probably a shitty person, but like, I I don't think he's as uh, he gets it. Everyone th- kind of labeled him as an idiot, but I think he 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 always got it, man. <laughs> Do you think that um, by virtue of uh, Fred Durst being a new metal musician, and then all of his movies by proxy, new metal movies. Yes, or do they fall did you, outside did, did of you it? end up seeing the fanatic? Not all of his movies, but for the fanatic, definitely is because it has Limp Biscuit songs in it. 
Um, <laughs> Fanatic rules, man. It's uh, it's good. I love it. It's so good, yeah. man. <laughs> I um I just really like John Travolta. I've I've wanted to watch it for a long time, but it's uh I've never been quite in the mood. Worth a shot. Worth a watch. I think we probably do need to get a little more motivated. Um, and who better uh, than the king of motivation himself? Yeah, okay. Getting up at four o'clock in the morning every day before anybody else and grounding my thought process is in the no one will outwork me. No one. I love and I respect you guys. The motherfuckers won't outwork me. I'll start with this. Two hands. <laughs> Put them to work. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's another fuckwit I hate, dude. I hate The Rock. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Just, I don't know. Like, you know, there's like the whole like, what? I, I hate to be a hater, but um, fuck him, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be a hater, but man, fuck you, Dwayne. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's He's, I don't know. He's like fucking Ronald Reagan to me, dude. He'll be like a conservative fucking prime, uh, president 20 years from now. He gives me the willies. No one's that, like, clean cut. That's right, The Rock. Yeah. You're not fooling me. But um, you know what? Uh-huh. Very motivational. He's right. It all starts with two hands. <laughs> I just love the bit where he's like... Obviously, all of those people in the room have paid, like, you know, $10,000 or whatever. Yeah, who the go, fuck is like, paying watch the a, rock? a TED Talk <laughs> to, like, go see him talk about his thing. And he just stands up there and he's like, all right, first thing, wake up at 4 a.m. That's my first tip. Second thing, two hands, use them. Third thing, none of you motherfuckers are going to work as hard as me. Yeah. <laughs> like, just insulting them to their face. His voice is really different, too. He's yeah. got this very like self-serious tone in this whole video as well. It is uh, truly fantastic. At some point, you got to be fucking tired of not being number one. You have to be, and you got to fucking play angry. The thing that has worked for me is to remember the hard times. You got to be the hardest workers in the room, and don't fuck the opportunity up. I used to have like a bit of a love affair with The Rock. I love San Andreas. I think that's a great movie, uh, filmed in oh, Brisbane yeah, as well. Uh, fantastic film. Um, I like. I've I've always kind of enjoyed his sort of like underdog status. Like the man made it out of you know like yeah, wrestling, and totally. he's like now like in Hollywood. But I, I agree. I think like over the last few years, it's just become quite apparent that he is actually quite like. Uh, probably a lot more conservative than any of us are, are willing to to sort of see you can just kind of see it bubbling under yeah. the surface that he's gonna be like trans women aren't women yeah, or whatever yeah, <laughs> like sure. yeah, in yeah. about six months time yeah. it's uh it's all gonna come out i will give him this though he uh did say poontang a lot as an insult and <laughs> as a wrestler <laughs> <laughs> in what context? Just be like, you little poontang or whatever. <laughs> like, this is like, sweet, bro. That's That was funny Man, then. It's funny now. Me as a 12-year-old and The Rock had a lot in common, <laughs> <Yeah>. apparently. <laughs> 
we've gone through Vin, one of the, you know, absolute, what would you call them? Like mainstays of the new metal genre, the rock, who's also part of that world. There's another figure that I think is a bit of a mainstay in all of the films that yeah. you guys have reviewed over the, the last couple of years. Uh, and that is a little guy called LL Cool J, That's- the ladies love. Well, success to me is living a complete life, you know, being rich physically, mentally, and spiritually, and dying rich physically, mentally, and spiritually, and then ascending to a higher place. That's success. Because you can say you're successful and the next day lose what you thought made you successful. Look, there's a reason why ladies love him. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Saying beautiful things like this. I don't know. I like, see, like, this is where it flips. Like, I think LL Cool J is cool. Well, like. I agree. <laughs> I think that was, like, I, nice. I love LL Cool J. I think he's, like, right in the sense that, like, I mean, I know that this is, like, a, you know, I think it's good to not only worry about the that aspect, but also, like, if you are doing... I guess freelance work to kind of hopefully at least make sure you're balancing the 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 spiritual and kind of mental health as well as financial. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I, that, that and die rich, <laughs> motherfucker. Spiritually, <laughs> mentally, and physically. <laughs> yeah, he he knows. He's got it. Dreams don't have deadlines. You know, you think about. You know, whether it's Colonel Sanders starting KFC at 65 or Ray Kroc starting, you know, McDonald's at 52. No, I'm serious. Like, dreams don't have deadlines. You can do anything you put your mind to. Um, I might close out. Let's watch this Slipknot video. This one made me fucking laugh my ass off. <laughs> what we're all about, and we appreciate every fan out there who buys our albums, and we'd like to say thank you because they're the most important thing to us, and, you know, we're really lucky to be living out this dream. I eat my own waste. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. Did did you have this words to live by? <laughs> yeah, I love you guys. I eat my own. I eat my own fucking puke. <laughs> did you ever see that video of Corey Taylor on um, Larry King explaining his masks to Larry King, and Larry King is just. Literally, like, no. you can see what he's thinking about, like, what he has to do when he gets home. Like, he's, he's just so checked out. It's just, like, <laughs> just one of the best. I'll have to send that to you later. But. I understand that. Now, what band wears masks? Slipknot. Slipknot does, yes. Now, let's see. Is this a mask you wear? Let's bring it in. Yeah, this is the new one. Yeah. Who designs <laughs> these masks? I came up with Thank the concept. You. And, uh, and does the whole band wear different masks? Yeah, yeah, everybody has a different Put one. Put it on. Oh. Do you have a name for this mask? No, just, it's, uh, it hasn't you gotten sing with it? where it smells. But, uh, yeah, yeah, just like that. Uh-huh. So. That is considerably scary. <laughs> do you plan to do other nutty things? Well... Like the idea and Larry that. King at least mostly feigns interest. Oh, he didn't in even do this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fantastic. This like entire era of music and of movies is like 
obviously very funny and you can laugh at it, but it's also like, it's also very earnest as much as it is about bravado and like this sort of, you know, ultra masculine hyper alpha kind of shit. It is also like bizarrely earnest where they're like, you know, talking about death and loving one another and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a really weird dichotomy. Yeah, totally. So I think it's time for us to slow things down a little and venture into my favorite segment of the show, comfort food. Let's talk about the essential, the weird, the beautiful and the dark corners of the internet that act as therapy, white noise or hobby replacement when your hobby has unfortunately become your job. Al, what have you come uh, with today for your comfort food? Fuck, man. Uh, I will just watch hours and hours of and like hours of fucking watch mojo listicles. I don't know if you've ever. Yes. Uh, are you, <laughs> yes, yeah, dude. I I can <laughs> like as soon as it's like top ten worst films you may have not seen from the UK in twenty nine. Like I can watch that. I just. Welcome to WatchMojo.com, and today we're counting down our picks for the top ten comedic peeing scenes in movies. There's something wrong with your toilet. For this list, especially Watch Mojo UK, it's not like I'm an Anglophile oh, or anything, but there's just a certain quality to like British daytime television that um, <laughs> American TV doesn't have, where it's just it, like everybody's accidentally Alan Partridge. So, Watch Mojo always yes. does these like end of the month best fucking British air, bl- British TV bloopers and. I can get just stuck in a hole of watching somebody accidentally, <laughs> like, say, minge or something live on TV. Uh huh. While your average contestant might settle for a simple oof or ah, too bad, this guy vents like this. You need 600 to take oh, away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we understand getting frustrated, but this is Countdown, mate. This is a family friendly contest. Keep that sort of thing for the 8 out of 10 cats version. Watching, like, ages of fucking... Yeah, that's that's my slop. That's my visual slop. Oh, man, that's fantastic. <clears throat> I am so relieved to hear that you watch Watch Mojo as well. It is so fucking funny how universal this, like, utter fucking garbage is. Like, everyone knows it. Everyone's afraid to talk about it. <laughs> Where are they from? Are they from, like... Germany or something. They're American. Really? Okay. I think they're American. <laughs> like the um the the late like the main lady, the American one, I think her name is Rebecca, um, is like the the host of it. And they've just got like millions of these videos. But you know what I feel like part of the appeal is for <clears throat> Watch Mojo is that it's almost kind of like a replacement of you know, like shows that you'd watch on the History yeah, Channel or absolutely. like crappy daytime. Yeah, for sure. How did this get yeah. made? Kind of Mythbusters y sort of era stuff. Where like you're not really learning anything new. It is literally just background mm. noise. It's like I will put Watch Mojo on when I'm home alone and I just need to hear other people's voices like in there. Yeah, no, I'm the same. Dude. So I don't feel alone. 
<laughs> no, and and also uh, comfort TV. Like uh, I'm the same with noises in the house, where it's like I will just put ABC Twenty Four on, and just have that in the background yeah. all day, like oh, a fucking yeah, crazy totally. person. But <laughs> <laughs> One last segment, mm-hmm. um, which is called "What's My Rate." Don't worry, it's not just you recognises the value of each guest's time. And as an ethical business, we compensate each and every guest that comes on the show. There's just one hitch. It's up to the guest to decide how they get paid. We use the industry standard compensation types, money, artist swap, exposure, or a slab of Forex gold. This is a choose your own adventure style segment where truly nobody wins. Alistair Bates, um, how would you like to get paid for today's episode? Baby, we're talking exposure. <laughs> I need to, I need to get that fucking that follow account back up, baby. I'm I'm sitting at a mega three hundred after. You you gotta just <laughs> I, like this is the mighty have fallen Babylon. You know, like uh, it's yeah no. The twit- Once right, I was in put in Twitter jail. Uh, yeah, Twitter <clears throat> jail. So, okay. Um, this is normally where I'll read out a, um, <laughs> like, a choose-your-own-adventure style piece, but I kind of want to actually take it a bit further this time. And rather than it be, like, a fictional piece, I actually kind of want to do something so I was thinking of doing like like a real sponsored ad for you. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that, but I think it would be kind of funny to do a sponsored ad that's like maybe the photo from your, the wedding that you DJed at, or like something like I that. Anyway, that. so I'm gonna workshop this and I will get back to Fuck you. Yeah. But you are gonna be paid in exposure. I love it. We're just gonna work out exactly what we're oh gonna do with god. it because. <laughs> I want to I want to take this out of the fictional world and put it into something very very real. So Thank you. don't worry. It won't be it won't be against your wishes. It'll be it'll be something good. Um, but yeah, so I think that is all of the time we have today. Al, I want to thank you so so thank much you. for your time and for coming onto the podcast. It's been really fun. I love you. And I also forgot to mention Al is the composer of the very theme song of this podcast. He very generously created a piece for us, um, which I absolutely love. Thank you so much. Um, Do you have anything, Al, that you would like to plug um, Uh, before we go? Yeah, uh, take a look around podcast. You can find that where you get podcasts. My YouTube channel... Um, <laughs> well, well, I'll drop the links uh, in the show notes. As yeah, well. Matt, and um, yeah, just my Twitter akpuko underscore eight, and um, that's all I got for now. I mean, stay tuned. Big things Sean and, coming Sean soon, and I babe. got the lookies coming up, which is the end of show award. So get ready. So it's Hollywood's exciting. night of nights. Oh, it's going to be so fabulous. And um, I'm hoping to, I think we're going to be 
I'm going to be coming back on the pod, uh, possibly next week for so. Charlie's Angels. That's right. A bit of um, synergy here. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait. I absolutely love Charlie's Angels. I watched it two weeks ago oh, awesome. and I am already ready to watch it again. It is one of my all-time favorite movies. So shock horror. I'm going to uh, love the shit out of it here and on your podcast. Hey, hey, hell yeah. <laughs> Shamelessly. <laughs> All right, darling. Thank you so much again. No worries. And, My um, pleasure. Thank you. Guys, I love you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, you can find us everywhere that you stream podcasts. I would really appreciate it if you were so inclined to uh like and review and rate the podcast um it means a lot to me and uh share with your friends there's a lot more of you listening to this than i ever would have thought possible so uh thanks (laughs) um anyway all right have a great day guys see you later why they all come and go we know that the most important thing in life will always be the people in this room. Right here. Right now.